Welcome to the Midlife Midsters podcast, your podcast for inspiration on being bold and saying yes to making the most of midlife. We are so pleased to be here today with Martha Antoven, a life coach. So before we begin, let's do some introductions. I'm Marla. I'm Carmen. I'm Marianne. I'm Michelle. And I'm Martha. And I'm Leslie Ann. So Martha, thank you so much for joining us today. We are really excited to talk with you about life coaching. So if you could start just by letting us know kind of why life coaching, how did you start, when did you start, and what kind of people in midlife are you working with? Um, well, it's a fun story how I found life coaching. I had heard of life coaches but it was in 2010 when my husband's firm um, actually hired a team of coaches to come in and uh, help him and, and some other directors on some projects. So I was um, interviewed by a life coach as part of my husband's 360, and it just seemed so interesting. So I talked to the firm that that group was from. I met with a life coach um, for about six sessions. It was incredible. And then my husband, as a gift, gave me, um, you know, kind of the tuition to go to um, a, the school where all of these coaches had been trained. And, and he was really impressed with them. So uh, we chose that program. So I, I've loved it. So I've been doing it for 12 years now. And I, I think it's an incredible profession of just um, drawing people out and helping them become who they really want to be. What was your career before that? Well, my way background is I went to the School of Foreign Service and, um, you know, we talked a little bit about dreams that we may have had to give up. You know, early on, I I loved travel. I have a lot of the Enneagram 7 in me. Um, so I thought I might go into the Foreign Service. Um, but lo and behold, I met my husband junior year and really made a... Um, a careful decision about that, but I just realized the biggest things that were important to me really were, um, you know, family and being with this man who had like such integrity and character. And it just how people pull off that foreign service life just started to seem too hard as I got to know it better. Um, so I was really interested in, um, foreign relations and took a job with a Swedish company and worked for them full-time before having kids and then part-time. Um, then by the time I'd had my third child, we were living overseas in Malaysia. So um, I I wasn't working then. Um, and then I, you know, I always was doing kind of interesting little projects, but the life coaching um, became I put a lot more time and effort into That's it. That's cool. So Martha, what do you like most about coaching midlife women? I love coaching women in midlife. I'm passionate about this work. Um, I feel like it is a time, honestly, that women become free. They can become who they truly were meant to be. There's so many things earlier in life that we take on that are wonderful things, but um, somewhat, you know, culturally encouraged upon us, um, marriage, motherhood, career, homemaking, 
Um, and those things are great. I wouldn't have skipped any of them. Um, but in midlife, you can just take off the shackles. You've done all that. What am I going to do now? So I love seeing um, just kind of growth and excitement in in women in middle age. Do you find, I have a question. Do you find that when women are in midlife, do they, and I'm kind of using this for me in a way, do they resemble how they were as a child? Like the things that they enjoy, do they tune into those adventure, that adventurous spirit or the thing, the things they enjoyed and did? Do you, does it pop back up later? I think it does. It actually, it's such a fun question because a lot of times if someone's feeling really stuck and they, people come to me because they're feeling stuck um, and maybe they feel they're not having enough fun or joy in their life. They sort of have lost that through all these years of hard work and everything. Um, that is one of the things that I will have such a wonderful time doing with a client, even so much as looking at old photo albums of them when they were a kid to help reconnect, looking at yearbooks, um, something that often clients sort of come up with their own homework when they're with me, but then um, I solidify it by saying, okay, are you going to really do that? But often what people will do is get in touch with people they knew when they were younger and have lost touch with. And these relationships getting sparked again in your 50s when you hadn't talked to that person in 25 years, really fun. It is fun. Yeah. So you mentioned, and I think it makes a lot of sense, that most clients come to you when they're stuck. And so midlife, as you said, it can be a freeing time, but there also can be challenges. Can you talk a little bit about some of the common challenges you see midlife women face? Uh, yes. I'll tell you, a lot of the people that I work with come to me um, for issues that I myself had to solve, and, and I feel did, I did a really good job solving them. And so my circle saw that and kind of word of mouth spread. Um, so those issues, um, one is in my 40s, I had slowly gained quite a bit of weight. Basically, I was using food to uh, to distract myself, uh, to, you know, kind of buffer from life in some ways. And, um, and then also my marriage. I was not, um, I had just spent way too much time being, um, just not having, finding satisfaction and peace with my husband. Um, so in my midlife, I realized I really needed to change those two things and created a program called Mindful Eating, which I just love. It's really awareness around food. Um, it's a whole different way to kind of think about how we eat. Um, and then with my relationship, I just realized I was going to control everything I could, which is my thoughts about the relationship. And within a year, I was just feeling so much more positive and appreciative of my husband, which we really needed. Um, so those are things I help women with. I have a lot of clients who are dealing with um, how they're going to eat and drink alcohol in midlife um, and then relationships, either with a partner, their parents, children, siblings, um, but relation women in our midlife, we finally have time to work on relationships. And if there's an uncomfortable relationship, um, 
women often want to finally resolve it, do the work to figure out how to make it better. So I have a question for you. Um, with this notion of, of people getting stuck and then being able to get unstuck, do most of your clients, are they people who have means who can put time and attention and energy to this? Because what I'm wondering is what advice you might have for someone who, you know, this, they're struggling with so many different things that even at midlife, maybe they don't have the finances to invest in a life coach or to take courses that might enrich them or to, um, uh, to look into marital counseling. Do you run across that at all? And what do you do? How do you counsel pers a person like that? So I, I definitely do. Um, I do a couple things. One is I have a sliding scale um, and I, I will pull that out if I can tell um, that, that it would be helpful. And so I've often done that in the past. But I also um, have a number of podcasts that are put on by life coaches that I think can be really helpful. And that's a way to help someone for free um, listening to that. Um, so I, I think people can make the time. It's, um, it's, it's almost just a shift in realizing you want to make a change. So the reason I was asking that, um, and, and maybe when we're done, you can, at the end of the episode, you can suggest some podcasts for folks. But th the reason that I was asking that goes to, um, you had shared with us beforehand some thoughts about things that we might want to ask you about. And one of the observations you had had to do with people's mindset and mm -hmm. that um, sometimes being able to move forward is really a question of your mindset. And I, I tend to agree with you. People who have sort of long-term inability to make changes may be stuck because they're in their head too much. But I also think sometimes it can be a barrier to entry can be financial. Yes. Yeah. Do you find that setting aside the financial piece that sometimes it really is in someone's head? Yes, though I would say that when people come to me, they are ready. I mean, they, they're they seeking me out because they want to do the scary things and change. Um, but but I agree with you. I mean, I, I know people that don't come to me that seem very stuck and are just, they want to stay, they want to stay in a stuck position. Martha, when somebody does get stuck like that, when they stay in that, do you see that it ends up basically transitioning to a depression or deep depression? It just gets harder and harder for them. I mean, how do they get unstuck without seeking help or changing that mindset? I, I don't know. I, have, I guess I haven't seen them go really towards depression. Um, but it can be frustrating for others to be with people who um, are, are kind of stuck. Do, do you have tips for us or our listeners, kind of when you're at that point, maybe starting to recognize that that you need to sort of make that jump, whether it's I'm ready to talk to a life coach or maybe you just need to start talking to your friends. But what are some tips that you could give to your clients or to our listeners to help kind of jumpstart that unsticking process, if you will? Right. Getting that cover with the lid off the jar. Yes. Yes. No, I, I say to clients, um, an analogy is often, it's like none of us want to look under the covers and see what's there. It reminds me of, um, you know, a little kid at night quaking in their bed. They're terrified of a monster. 
um, but they're too scared to look under the bed and then they would see there isn't the monster. Um, so a life coach um, kind of, you know, holds hands with the client and we both get the bravery together to look under the cover, look under the bed. Um, so I, I do think it's sort of a courageous leap to um, to really figure out what you need um, and to pursue that doggedly. I mean, that that's another wonderful thing about a life coach is what you're really doing is committing to yourself to show up. I, I often say to people, let's at least commit to six um, sessions because then you have to keep coming and you'll find you don't want to. I, I have a coach and I don't want to show up either. I don't want to look under the bed or certainly don't want to reveal you know what's under the bed. Um, but because I have to do it, you know, I've set mine up every other week. Um, I have to keep doing the work. So you mentioned courageous leap. That really caught my attention. So can you describe maybe some of the courageous leaps you've seen women in midlife? Yes. One of my favorite ones, and I think this one sticks with me because um, she exhibited courage that I would like to have in my own life. Um, but this was a woman who... Um, she, she wanted to travel. She had recently been divorced. She tried uh, traveling with friends and for various reasons that didn't really work out. Um, and so after um, lots of exploring with me, she came to the realization that she had to get really comfortable with solo travel. And so she started off with easy cities in America and then um, you know, one or two easy cities in Europe. And then last fall, she went off with a backpack and a six-week Eurail pass and was doing this inexpensively, going to hostels and things. She met so many people. She was so brave. I, I am myself not quite brave enough to be just like in Hungary by myself and my backpack and using buses and... Um, so that was an amazing story. And what it did is it gave her a new lease on life because it was a new reason to really invest in her career. She wanted to make money for her adventures. And uh, it was a new reason to get fit and stay fit because if you're moving around all that, you need to you know, be strong. Um, and it also gave her such a great thing to do at night after work. She suddenly got so interested in um, researching for her next trip and just immersing herself in what whatever that was going to be. What a boost in self-confidence that would give. Yeah. It, it totally transformed her. A really fun thing um, before she went on her Eurail pass is she and I watched the movie Breaking Away together. And I don't know if any of you remember that. It was sort of a late mm -hmm. 70s um, movie, but it's about um, really... Um, resilience in the face of pain and disillusionment and um, and and kind of this adventure and idea of immersing yourself in another culture. So we watched that and she just, you know, she was realized how strong and resilient she was. Oh, yeah, totally bold and saying yes to a way of life she never thought she would have done. I love that. I have a question for you. How do you 
like when somebody comes to you, why would they pick a life coach instead of a psychotherapist? Like, how do you think about that? Um, I, I think it's a really interesting question. I talk people through that a lot. Um, clients and that I work with teens as well. So parents are often trying to figure that out. So um, I, I think the differences are um, just quickly where it will touch base on um, training. Uh, I would say focus on what the different ones are looking at um, and how they um, kind of how you view the client and also just um, how how you how you would meet um, wait, let me think of the right word. Or that. would it be also like they don't have a mental health aspect to it? They're mainly stuck and trying to find themselves versus dealing well, with something that might be more of a mental health like depression or anxiety. Exactly. So it's kind of, there's a medical group, which would be the therapist, psychiatrist, psychologist, um, who are looking at it as a medical diagnosis um, versus a life coach who the person feels healthy, uh, but they really, they want to up-level their life. I would say a comparison would be if you break your arm, you're going to go see an orthopedist. If you want to up your tennis game, you are going to get a tennis oh, that coach. Makes sense. Yeah. So it's like that. Um, I think another interesting thing is focus. I find the medical group tends to focus on the past, what's been happening. And in my work as a life coach, we're really future oriented. We are goals oriented. Well, how one will run their appointments. I think in the medical group, they're somewhat stuck for various reasons. They, they just have to do kind of the 45 minute session in person or on Zoom now, uh, which is lucky. Whereas as a life coach, there's so much freedom in how I work with people, how long we need to talk. Um, one thing I have started doing in the last few years is I meet clients for walks. That was super helpful cool. in my, yeah, in the mindful eating program that mm -hmm. became really helpful. Um, working with someone who was really depressed, it turned out to be really helpful. And then during the shutdown of our schools in California for COVID, I began working with a lot of teens and taking them on hikes. And um, it was such a different experience than working, you know, sitting in a room, looking at a therapist. Um, you know, an adult. Yeah, you get that side by side. Thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. Cool. The side by side yeah. walk with teens is wonderful. Um, I have taken a course on movement therapy, and it's helped me to see that movement is huge on emotional release. Um, so even if I am doing a Zoom call with someone, sometimes I'll have them put their favorite rocks song on and we will stand up i will as well and we just move it and shake it and really try to loosen up if i feel that you know something just isn't coming and then it's amazing sometimes um the wisdom that will just suddenly reveal itself mm -hmm. um when that when the client sits down again so i find that on my walks a lot of time movement and kind of just being with the sky and trees helps people um, evolve forward more so than being trapped in a room. That's very interesting. Thanks. So Martha, back in the day, you know, I guess it was, I would say maybe the 70s, they used to talk about midlife crisis. So I remember my parents talking about some friend of theirs who 
had a midlife crisis. He got a motorcycle or a sports car or left his wife and family for a younger woman. Um, and, and now I think maybe we are thinking about midlife as an opportunity and an opportunity for growth. Is that something that you see with the clients that you're meeting with? Yes. I mean, I, I absolutely agree with you. It, it is the time for growth. It's, it's really a time for rebirth. Um, I laugh at, uh, I often will chuckle with clients when we talk about, you know, a, a midlife crisis. And I um, say to people, I think we need to change the language on that. Let's call it midlife catharsis. So um, I even have my little um, Google definition of catharsis, the process of releasing and thereby providing relief from strong or repressed emotions. What a beautiful thing to do in our midlife. Give ourselves permission to release all the things that we don't need to carry anymore. And that gives us time and room for what we actually want. That, that actually resonates with me. And I, I'm, I'm curious to how you would react to this. Um, I, at one point, had a job where I worked a lot and I had like 300 emails a day that I had to go. And then I switched jobs. And in my new job, I had like three emails a day. And it was unsettling. And I didn't know what to do. And I felt a little bit like, um, what's the expression? A swan swims on the surface, but their legs are paddling crazy underneath. Because I didn't know what to do with my time. And so for women in midlife, we started with, you know, you've been raising a family, you've been working, you've been running the house, doing all the things we women do. And now you have this point where you have time. Do you find that that leaves some of your clients in a sort of a frantic state? And if so, what do you tell them to get them to make that adjustment? Absolutely. I, I do a lot of work with people exactly that, where their job has shifted, be it you know, mothering or or even retiring in their 60s. Um, and so what I work on with clients is they've got to figure out what will bring them meaning and structure in their lives. And um, we work on that together. And it's it's it can be hard work, but if you're working with someone um a neutral observer who will walk the walk with you, it's its just so much easier because you have to keep showing up. You have to keep walking the walk. And eventually you get there. But it, but it takes time. But I, I would say it's finding new meaning and structure. I have a follow-up to that. Um, I am four weeks an empty nester, so all of a sudden have a lot more time than I used to. I also have always worked a lot, and so I find myself filling a lot of that time with work because that's what I'm used to. How do you advise women or your coach? I know you have some men. How do you advise them to not just fill their time with work? How do you find the things that you actually enjoy? Because being a wife and a mom and a working a lot, it was like, I didn't really have a lot of time to do what I enjoyed. So I almost like, I don't know what I like. Yeah. How, how do you help them figure that out? So, I mean, the first thing that we talk about is, are you using your work um, as a means of buffering, you know, are you just using it so you don't have to think so that you don't have to uh, go deeper so that you don't have to sit bored on the couch, which it, it may require. Um, so it's, it's kind of, I think it gets to be a personal decision. Where do you want to cut that off? 
I, I do think people can use their work to to buffer. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what I'll do to buffer is just sort of putter around cleaning my house. And then I catch myself, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm doing that again. What am I avoiding? Um, and so I would say with someone in that position, um, again, how working with a coach helps is it just, it, it can be uncomfortable. You don't want to figure out, it, it's easier to just work. Um, but what, if you weren't working, what what would you find that might create um, more meaning or also a different way to give your gifts to the planet? Mm -hmm. That's that's good advice. Thank you. Oh, I love that. Thinking about how to give your gifts to the planet. I don't have a question. I'm just going to take a moment <laughs> to think about what my gifts are and how I give them to the planet. That's amazing. Well, and this, this is actually something I um, talk to all my clients about. I'll, you know, all my different core beliefs, but this is a belief I strongly hold. The only way the world can be the best that it can be is if all of us humans commit to growing and evolving and actually being our best and putting our gifts out there. I believe each of us is born with certain things the planet really needs. You know, even just be it, are you the friendly person in the neighborhood that's you know, nice to children and visits with the elderly and picks up trash when you're walking your dog. I mean, it, there's so many different ways of gifts. I'm not, um, I, I'm not saying they all have to, you know, be huge things, but just that you are contributing, you're bringing your kindness and goodness to the world. Um, so that, that is one of the things that um, I love to work with on people. What, what do they want to bring? That makes me think of Marianne's question about girl, when we're girls. I think yeah. some of those dreams we had were very precious mm -hmm. and very um, innate to who we are and the role we're supposed to play. Talking about childhood makes me think of something else that um, you had sort of shared with us beforehand. I know when I was a child, I was bored a lot. And I actually used to lie in the grass and just kind of stare up at the sky because I didn't have anything else to do. But, you know, we lived in a different time. Yes. Right. Yes. There was a lot of downtime. There there wasn't, there were only three channels on TV. I tell my kids that they cannot believe that. <laughs> no. There were only three channels on TV. And, and you was... had to get up to change them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> right. Okay. Four, four channels. And, um, and, and, you know, we didn't have technology. And so boredom was kind of a way of life, but we don't do that anymore. I think people avoid boredom at all costs. And I wonder if that has a cost. It does. I mean, just in my own life, I realized that boredom is one of the biggest things that I was trying to avoid. So I would buffer in ways to not be bored. Um, you know, eating, drinking white wine, um, cleaning my house, organizing things, you know, so many different ways. Um, so yeah, I realized I just had to take on that emotion, feel the feeling of boredom. So I I do say that to clients that feelings are just vibrations in our body. It they can't kill you. They can feel uncomfortable, but you you can feel them. And what's the benefit from letting yourself feel boredom? Because once you have once you, like for me, if I sit on the couch and say, okay, bring it on. I'm not going to drink white wine. I'm going to just feel bored. My brain becomes really interested in what 
what feeling bored is like. And that opens up a whole new world. I think you, you um, kind of, it's almost like busting through to the other side. If you allow yourself to really feel uncomfortable feelings, there, there's truth on the other side. You know, I, I'm, I'm really struck by that. I have a friend who um, did a work exercise and they had to write what their strengths were. And she said one of her strengths was rest. So a different approach to sitting on the couch and feeling bored, but sitting on the couch and just being. Yes. Resting. And Which is productive. You are actually resting. And yeah. And I, I think I, I try to frame it a little bit um, myself or reframe it with allowing myself, particularly as somebody whose personality type is to keep moving yeah. forward and not to say, stay in those spaces, to allow myself the time to stay in those spaces. And even, you know, we, we stopped reading books sitting on the couch, right? We had to read a book on the treadmill. Yeah. And so, and it's okay to read a book on the couch, right? Mm -hmm. And yes. so, you know, where are we in terms of what you were saying, allowing ourselves to sort of have that full spectrum of feelings as part of our entire growth principles, if you will. Right. And it's another beautiful thing of middle age is we all get braver at allowing ourselves to, to do things that we actually want to do. For example, listening to a podcast. <laughs> what else have you learned from your clients? What have I, they taught you? I, learned, what, I have to say every single person I work with, I feel like I come away wiser because we are we dig down through all the different layers that they have to for them to unearth their wisdom. And I always take away... Um, nuggets from that. But um, w one of the ones that sticks out, which really led to my midlife catharsis was a woman that I was working with um, many years ago, seven years ago. And um, she was in midlife. She had done uh, very well in her career. She had, you know, wonderful husband, healthy children, gorgeous home. And she was not happy. She was reaching out to me because she wasn't happy. And working with her really brought home to me um, the realization that circumstances don't create our happiness or unhappiness. Um, I, that's an idea that was um, talked about a lot at a, one of the life coach schools I went to. Um, it's called The Life Coach School by Brooke Castillo. And she calls that idea the model that circumstances don't um, create our happiness. It's our thoughts about our circumstances. But when she was teaching that, I got it theoretically, but I didn't really feel it in my bones until I was with someone who I looked at her circumstances like, come on. <laughs> but she wasn't happy. And that really made me go deep in myself. Gosh, what are all my thoughts? I feel like our thoughts create our results. And that led me to look at some of the results that I had created in my life, which um, was that I was not very healthy um, as far as my food and eating and then not, um, not having the marriage that I wanted. So that person really helped me come to face my own demons and, and work through them. 
know, Martha, you talked about your thoughts and setting, stepping back and like thinking about that. I came across a term recently called metacognition, where it's where you study the thoughts of your thoughts, like why you do that. And it allows to put distance between it. Um, and it takes you further away from that bad thought or the thought that you're trying to figure out. Do you know a little bit about metacognition? Yes. Heard of that term. Can you tell us yeah, a about it? Absolutely. So I use that a lot in the mindful eating um, when I work with clients. So in mind, it's sometimes good to have an example that we can all think of. So um, if a client is sitting there and they really want to eat the cupcake and they are just filled with that desire for the cupcake, um, to all you're feeling is the desire. But what I teach them is to observe themselves desiring the cupcake. And what that does is it just creates that just a little space between the desire and your experience and that little bit of room of just observing yourself and then i teach people to do it with a lot of love and humor um it gives you it gives you a little bit of space to create a different result right no i was reading about it i want to read more about it. i found it very interesting so martha when you're talking about sort of the difference between circumstances and thoughts right what what would you what could you offer to someone who really does have difficult circumstances that impede their ability to have a fulfilling midlife? So someone who's got financial restrictions or someone who, you know, their home life is just so challenging that they can't invest in the sort of time and energy it takes to do either therapy or life coaching. What's available for them? So I, I absolutely believe there are many circumstances, you know, that that a human can and should change. Um, so it's not accepting. I'm trying to think how to describe that. It's not accepting um, the circumstances for good or you know for long term. But what I do think the first step is is you you have to accept where you are without a lot of anger and resistance. I mean, really, I bring clients to neutral about their circumstances. Because if you've got anger and resistance while you're trying to create the change, it is just so much harder. I, I don't totally understand it, but I just see it in people. It holds them back. It is like going on a hike with a 500-pound weight around you. But if you come to neutral about the circumstance, this is what it is. You know, uh, this job is really difficult or I don't have the money. Um, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't even say the job is difficult because you really have to just the circumstance is the job. Mm -hmm. What am I going to think about it? The circumstance is the partner. What am I going to think about it? And there's thousands of thoughts that you can choose. And so it's just sort of shifting the spotlight towards the thoughts that are going to serve you. And that will, in the end, kind of free you to move forward and actually create circumstances that are better for you. So we talked earlier about mindset, and it seems like that's what we're getting back to. So if somebody like Leslie Ann um, had mentioned, if they don't have the funds to be able to have a life coach, as far as them studying and thinking about mindset changes, positive thinking, meditation, um, getting out of their own head and getting in nature, what are some of the what are some what advice would you give to people and how can they follow that where it's actually efficient for them, it works for them? 
and they can see the results without having a life coach. Well, one thing I say to people is um, put put together some just small, easy daily goals that are that are that will move you forward. And there's been a lot of studies. Um, you know, everyone's heard of them, but things you can add to your life. One is just a little bit of exercise. Um, you know, a little bit of forward motion. Um, another thing I tell people is um, practice quieting your mind, even just for three minutes a day. Set the timer on your phone for three minutes, and you don't have to be in lotus position on the floor. You can be in a chair, but just um, calming and emptying your mind. And I do that on the phone with people frequently, just on um, kind of informational interview calls. I'll just train someone to do that if it seems like they won't be able to afford the fees. That can be amazing. What those three minutes of emptiness does over time is is teaches you to become, to, to come to neutral, um, what neutral feels like. Um, it's like they have no thoughts in there. I'm sorry. I, maybe I'm. It's I, I, like meditation. I can't imagine. I know. Thoughts. It's literally emptying your mind okay. so that your mind is just quiet. I mean, you will only experience it for milliseconds because our brains are constantly sending yeah. new thoughts your way. But if you do it, I mean, you guys try it out. How can you say no that for seven days, I am going to find three minutes? It could be in my car. Um, and I, I can do the little training with you. I'll send you another voice recording oh, of, the, of the recording. It's like meditation then? Yes, uh, similar okay. to meditation. Okay. Um, and it is just an um, just this emptying of your mind where thoughts will come through. And I say to people, just imagine it. It's like a cloud and you're just, just blowing that away. And you'll just have milliseconds of an empty mind. But I think... Um, and actually, there have been so many studies of this, like looking at the minds of monks who meditate so much, yeah. their brains fire up completely differently than our busy, overstressed brains. So where can people find you, Martha Enthoven Life Coach? Uh, come to my website. It's MarthaEnthoven.com. Martha and then Enthoven is E-N-T-H-O-V-E-N.com. I tell people it's like Beethoven, but it's Enthoven. And Martha, for folks who can't afford a life coach, can you offer them any alternative way to get some kind of guidance about midlife issues? One of the podcasts that I absolutely love is put out by um, the, the program where I've done a lot of my training. It's called the Life Coach School. So if they look up the lifecoachschool.com under there, you can click on podcast. I would start with episode one. They are phenomenal. So, yeah. So Martha, wow, we could, we could go on talking to you for hours. This has really been so fascinating and it has been fantastic talking with you. And to our listeners, visit us online at AmericanMidsters.com. And we will be sure to add resources to help anybody who's thinking about being bold and making the most of what midlife has to offer. 